season, but this season will pass. And the longer you live, we look back and say, God, thank you for everything. Thank you for everything you brought us through. Look back at this year and just be thankful you've come through. Don't keep looking back and, and, and regurgitating the negative. We, we, we love to dwell on the negative. Some first time, we give more glory to death than we do to life. Amen? Come on, you have eternal life. You have a forward life with God. So think about the forward that God has for you, not just living in the past. But listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 here in, uh, from the Message Bible. So talking about all those who have run the race, he just finishes the, cha the, the, the chapter of faith, the hall of fame of faith and all that. But verse 1 begins with, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, <coughs> meaning we're still surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished his, this race we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of God, he could put up with anything along the way. A cross of shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, Go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. I love that. I love the way it says that. That what happened. So watch this. Jesus, so it, it says in your Bible, it says, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. What does that mean? That means Jesus lived looking forward. He knew I have to endure this, but I know where I'm going to end up. I'm going to get through this, and I know that I'm going to be glorified again with the Father. I know what I gave up to come here to redeem is going to be restored. I'm sowing, and I know that sowing produces a harvest, and the harvest is I'm reunited with the Father, so my focus is not on what I'm going through. I'm not distracted. This will pass. I have to go through here to get there, but I know I'm going to end up there, so because of that, I can press through anything. Glory to God. Hallelujah. My God, I'm just going to buy this CD myself. <laughs> Amen. Watch it. So God's not one-dimensional. Think about that. So let's look at a few keys that make it possible. What does that mean? That means that he tells us how to run our race like Jesus and to keep our eyes on the future and the joy that is set before us as well. Can we learn to think like Abraham and seek to pass the blessing to the next generation? That's the challenge. Can you become a thinker like Abraham? Understanding that God's pronounced a blessing over your life that is not just for your life to be blessed, but God has pronounced a generational blessing over your life and it's to you, it is to your children and to your children's children. And you're living in honoring God with your life. You're walking in obedience to God because you know your obedience causes the blessing. Look at what God said to, to Israel over and over. I'm not doing this for your sake. I'm doing it because I made a promise to your father Abraham. And you are his descendant. And I'm keeping my word to him. I live by that for my family. God made a covenant with me. I'm in covenant with him through his son and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his blessing is upon my family. 
Amen. So think about this. So what kind of a mindset do we have? Number one, if we want to be a generational thinker, we must have a commitment to believe in the next generation. That's hard, especially for all you old folks like me in here. Amen. I can talk to you because I'm one of you. Amen. But what does that mean? The older we get, the more distrust we have in the younger generation. I don't expect a lot of amens because I'm going to tell you some truth this morning. We get where we don't like them. They're crazy. They're wild. They're doing all this. Da, da, da. No, they're just like you when you were their age. You grew old and forgot how stupid you were. I majored in stupid. I didn't get smart until I got saved at 25. And that took a lot of years to get stupid out of me. Are you with me? So, but we think about that, but somehow as we age and we mature and we refine. I can't believe they're acting that way. Amen. But no, we did that and worse. Amen. I love those pictures and those memes that come up and show the, the high school girls in the 70s. And, and the caption is, you'll never be as cool as your grandmother was. Amen. She wore hot pants and she did this and they rode in cars. They did all this other stuff. Had hot car. We still have the best music. I don't care what you say. Amen. But anyway, I used to tease my kids riding in the car and they come out with all the, you know, the screamo music and everything. So they put on that and they're, I said, I guarantee you when your kids are your age, they're not going to ask to listen to your music. They're still going to put on grandpa's channel. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Put on smooth classic rock. Amen. Amen. But think about it. So, but we have, must have a commitment to believe in the next generation. God has always believed in the next generation and planned with them in mind. We have to as well. He has no problem using the next generation. He has had kings at eight years of age. Josiah became king at eight. Wow. He anointed kings and prophets in their teens. He used a lad to feed the multitude. At 12 years of age, Jesus was in the temple confounding the elders. We entrust young men and women at the age of 18 to enlist in the military and serve and protect our national freedom. We train them to do extraordinary tasks and run operations and to use multi-billion dollar equipment. Unless, God, they're too young to be used in the church. How stupid is that? Amen? That's just not wisdom. Think about it. While most adults need an eight-year-old to show them how to use their smartphone and a computer. <laughs> Amen? So think about it. I was talking to one of our young men who's gone into the, Zach, who's, who's, in, who's in the Navy, and he's enlisted, who is back for Christmas break. I talked to him last Sunday. I said, Jack, what are you training for? He says, I'm training, I shoot a nine-inch cannon. I said, glory to God, that is awesome. Get thing, man. It costs like $200,000 per round. <laughs> Amen. Some of you complaining on the price of ammunition to go out plunking and plinking and all that stuff. Think about paying for that bullet. Amen. It's time to that thing that's like this. Awesome. Awesome. But so he's in charge of a multi-billion dollar piece of equipment. 
He's 19 years old. Being trained in the military. To do. What would happen if we had that kind of a mindset in the church? That we saw the potential in our young people and the strength in our young people and began investing in them. So I'm telling you prophetically, this is what God is commissioning me to do. And so if you're going to be uncomfortable with young people, then you might want to find an old church to go to. Amen? Hallelujah. Just get around with old people and, and soothe each other and rub Bengay on each other. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. So think about it. Let me help you. God does not, age does not mean maturity. Age does not mean maturity. I've met some really old, stupid people in my life. They're still making the same mistake in their 50s and 60s and some of them in their 70s that, that, that they've made their whole life. They, they haven't saved any money. They haven't done anything responsible with their life. They're in debt on all kinds of different areas and, and things are all out of whack in their life because they've never learned to make a proper decision. As we grow and develop wisdom and skills and by the time, should be by the time we reach our 40s and 50s, we should have most of the stupid out of us. We should be at our highest levels of earning potential and be a force for God in the kingdom. By the time we, that's what we should be. But that's not always the case. Let me give you three words that can be used to describe youth and those who desire to stay young. How many want to stay young? Amen. And it was interesting. Yesterday, Pastor Sue and I were down in Yuba City and, and that, and I was talking to this gentleman and, and uh, he, we did the conversation about how old I was came up. And he goes, man, I can't believe you're 70. You look great. You're in great shape. I hope I, I'm as good a shape as you when I get there. But he says, I know it won't happen. I said, yes, you can. Live for God. Honor God. Glorify God with your life. Live a righteous life. You can do it too. Amen. But people don't think so. Think about this. So here it is. Listen to these three words. Number one is extreme. We think young people are extreme. What does that mean? They do things that stretch you out of your comfort zone. My granddaughter, Ella, we're working over in the youth hall yesterday. We're mounting some new TVs up there, took the old projectors down. And so I have a 12-foot ladder. This was a Thursday. I have a 12-foot ladder up on the wall. I have the ceiling opened up there. I have to crawl up in the ceiling, go over the wall to fish an a, a HDMI cord down to get it through the wall. Ella's watching me. She said, Grandpa, I want to go up in the ceiling with you. No, Ellie can't. It's up over. There's nothing up there. It's not again. No, I'm gonna. She just kept sitting there. I'm gonna go up there. I'm gonna go up there. Amen. See, she's being extreme. She's young. She has extreme desire. I watch all the sport. So I put a few of them down here. We call extreme sport. We think about extreme sport. They, they just take what's normal and then blow it out of proportion. Okay, I'm going to ride my motorcycle and go over this jump, and while I'm doing that, I'm going to flip three times, fly off the handlebar, land back on my feet. It'd be awesome. Amen. No, you just ride. I mean, I rode my heart. I just like, cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool doing that. Was, nah. That's extreme. Think what's happened with skateboard. Skateboards are cool. Look what they did with snowboarding. Snowboarding is not cool. Now they have the competition. They do the half pipe, and they have to go up and do a 940 toe grab, kick, hit, and land. Amen. I go, that's crazy. That's extreme. No, it's just out of your comfort zone. It's just out of your comfort zone. 
We do it in so many other. Remember when monster trucks first came out? They'd go out and they'd jump over cars and smash cars and stuff. Now they go jump over cars, they do backflip, flip around, land on tires, bounce all around. They're, they're like amazing. It's extreme. The next word is experiential. Experiential. What does that mean? It means being hungry for something new. Are you hungry for something new in 2024? You have to be hungry for something. Most of the time, we have to be careful because as we age, we get hungry for God to do what he did again, to do what he did before. God, do it again. God, do it again. God, do it again. I want him to do the biblical things that he said he would do. But he doesn't have to do it the way he did it before. See, we hold on. Well, I, do, I, I just want to sing those songs. I just want to do it that way. I just want it to have this style. I want it to have that. No, you need to experience something new. You need to have an experiential relationship with God, especially when others say, don't do this. Amen? Kind of like touching wet paint. See, if somebody just paint it and leave it alone, nobody go up and touch it. But as soon as you put on there, don't touch. Amen. And this is, this is where you have to be. When, religions, when religion says, don't touch this, don't do this, don't act that way, honey, you better rise up and touch something. Amen. Glory to God. And then the third word is eccentric. Extreme, experiential, and eccentric. People thought Albert Einstein was eccentric. Why? Because he was outside of center. Eccentric just means to be off center from the way of doing things. Just do something a little bit different than the way everybody else is doing it and they'll call you eccentric. Amen? See, all three of these qualities, think about it. It could be new styles and approaches that go against the style and routine of the past that others have come to idolize. A lot of what we do, we don't think we have idols, but we have a lot of idols. It's the sacred cows of our worship. And every generation experiences God in their generation. How many know God has no problem relating to every generation? It's just the previous generation that has a problem relating to the next generation. Amen. So we need to be like God. And God embraces them and moves on with them. We watched it. In, the movie came out, the Jesus Revolution that came out in the 70s. And then and the hippie movement, everything God had. God did something totally different. And, and the established church, the religious people, couldn't handle it. But hundreds of thousands of young people came to the Lord. And it changed our nation. It shook our nation. Amen. See, all three of these qualities can be found in the life and ministry of Jesus as well. He was called extreme in what he did. He caused people to experience new things. And he was deemed eccentric from doing things outside of the norm. That's the life of Jesus. Jesus was extreme, he was experiential, and he was eccentric. That should define our life and our walk with God as well. You see, very little of what we do when it comes to church is actually in the Bible. You know there's only one chapter in the Bible that tells you how to do 1 Corinthians 14. At New Church, and that's 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is the only chapter in the Bible of instructions on how a church service, what should happen in a church service. 
Do you know how many denominations and people and religions believe none of that's for today? But pipe organs are. Stained windows are. Padded chairs are. Air conditioning is. Lights is. Buildings are. Technology. Video. Live stream so I can stay home. All this stuff is necessary. None of it's in the Bible. But look at, all, look at all the things that people expect from a church. People come, does your church have this? Does your church have Yeah, no, we, we have the stuff in the Bible. Is that good enough? Well, no, I, I need coffee before I come in. And free donuts would be good too. So I expect free coffee, free donuts. Go to Starbucks and get that. Go walk into Starbucks and expect your coffee to be free. Go to the movies and expect your popcorn to be free. But yet people come to church and expect everything to be free. And the stuff we want free isn't even in the Bible. Amen. Are you doing all right? Think about it. But think about our style of worship. I don't know. It was a long time before people were able to have drums in church. It's like they never read Psalms 150. Psalms 150, praising with loud sounding cymbals, clashing cymbals and strings and horns. Can't have any of that in church. Shout unto God. Clap your hands. Woo! Dance. Well, brother. If you just do the Bible, you're eccentric. Amen. All right, glory. Are we doing okay this morning? I'm just talking about how to have a great new year. Amen. See, one of the reasons we're here on this earth is to help those who come after us to do more and better than we did, which is the same desire every parent has for their children. Hear me. No parents want their children to repeat their stupid. I do not want my children repeating my mistakes. I did not want that for my children. I want them to do better. We want them to succeed. And it should be the desire of the church as well. And if we think with the plans and purposes of God, it will be. I want the next generation of believers, our young people that are over there right now, I want them growing up knowing who God is. I I want them to learn from where I want to have gone somewhere in God that they can jump in where I am and go further themselves. Are you with me? You see, a sure sign of ineffectiveness is holding on to the past and things that worked then but haven't produced results since then. Whether it's in the church or in our personal lives. So many times we hold on to things that we used to do, but it wasn't effective then. It's not effective now, but it was your idea. Get over it and get a new idea. One that will actually produce and be effective. Amen? So what? Think about this. <coughs> Moses lifted up the brass serpent in the wilderness, and all those that looked upon it were healed. Israel made an idol out of it and worshipped it for over 700 years. And it never healed anyone again, but they held on to the one time that it did. And then 700 years later, Hezekiah 
king at the age of 25 comes in, takes that thing, crushes it to powder, and calls it Nehushtan, which means it's just something made out of copper and brass. But yet we've been idolizing it for 700 years, and it has never produced again. Think about the things that we idolize in the church and we're holding on to. And I'm speaking to those of you in my generation that we keep holding on to because we're looking back instead of being future generationally focused. And sometimes you just need to throw some things down, crush them into powder, and move on. Because it says that they did that and then they crushed it and then they moved on in trusting return. They returned, listen, they returned to trusting the Lord. Amen. A sure sign of ineffectiveness, as I said, is holding on to the path and the things that work but haven't produced since then, whether it's in the church or in our personal life. It doesn't mean any of it was bad or non-productive. It just was what worked for that season, but seasons change. Times change. And to be productive, we have to change as well. And when we make, a new, we make even make New Year's resolutions to do it, we think everybody makes, but do we really do it? Lord, this year I'm going to. And next year, Lord, this year I'm going to. Amen? But something happens when we determine to do it. Let me finish these up quickly. Secondly, so first I have to believe in the future generation, the next generation. Secondly, to take opportunity to change the future. Everybody look up here. You have the opportunity to change your future. I don't care what age you are, you can change your future. You can change your future, you, your, your past. If all, if all I have is what God did yesterday, all I have tomorrow is just an extension of today. Come on, God has better than yesterday for our lives. Amen? So holding on to those past things. So take the opportunity to change the future. How? By allowing your life to be cut off from the past that you came from. Allow your life to be cut off from the past that you came from. Not to forget it, not to disrespect it, but move on to the next season of your life. Think about it. The day you gave your life to Christ, your, or you, your life changed forever. If you're here today and you haven't accepted Christ, today if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, from this day on, your life will change forever. Because the Bible says the moment you enter into Christ, old things what? Old things what? So sometimes you tell people, let go of your past, separate yourself. Well, I can't do that. Well, then you don't believe the Bible because old things are supposed to pass away. Paul said this one thing I do. I forget the past and I press forward to the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. So in that area, it's not that I don't respect. He recounted his past. I, Paul, born of the tribe, uh, tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and, and that, a Pharisee of Pharisees. But what I do, I count that law for, to gain the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. So he's living forward, future focus. You have to have that same focus. Hallelujah. So the day you gave or give your life to Christ, your life has changed forever. You reshape, hear this this morning, so powerful. You reshape your generation and your children and children's children are now connected to a new heritage. Amen. Many of us come from bad background and broken families and doing different things. Sue and I have different things that are common in our family backgrounds and stuff. My dad was married four times. My mom was married three times and brokenness and hurt and heartache. My goal is that my children would not experience that. 
And even growing up, I repeated some of that. And my first marriage failed. I'm married a year and a half. I have a son. I have to go believe God for forgiveness and for restoration through that. But now, soon I got married. This year we celebrated 44 years of marriage. So we get a standard. You, you, you break the old and you walk in the new. You, you bring a new generational blessing upon your family. And now I'm watching my children who are married. Sean and Dana have been married over 20 years. Jamie and Brian have been married over 10 years. And Austin's been married nine years in that. And their children, and they're raising their children up. They're better parents than I was done. And so I get to be in a spectator mode of watching the blessing of God continue to the next generation. Amen. Amen. Think about that. <clears throat> Why? Because you cooked the curse of your past, you removed it, and received the promise of your future in Christ, and that promise is new. See, old things pass away, and all things become new. It applies to how we think generationally. My children, even my grandchildren, are already going farther and doing more at their age than I ever did. I'm so proud of my, my grandson, Jacob. He's home on, on, on a break for Christmas, but he's in Hawaii right now at 21. He's been with YWAM for two years, and now he's in Hawaii there, and he's part of planning the church there at 21. And so he's doing ministry at 21. At 21, I was totally stupid. But the, watch, but the blessing is passed from my children to my children's children, and they're already going farther and doing more. Amen. Sean and Dana, pastoring in Luma, are doing farther, doing better. He's a better preacher, better communicator, better organizer, doing so much better than I ever did. And I'm so excited that I could pass a baton. Are you listening to me? Jamie and Cody are doing so wonderfully well, so proud. They're both successful in their life. But listen, you have to believe that the blessing is upon your life, and you pass blessing down to your children. So when your children are missing the mark and they're being stupid, quit talking about their stupid, quit talking about their, their, the way that they're off, and begin to thank God and pronounce the blessing and speak the blessing over their life. Amen. You're an Abraham, and they are your seed. Hallelujah. When we come to understand that God saved us for ourselves, that gets a hold of us. Abraham did not possess the land. You, you and I, watch this. So when we come to understand that God saves us not just for ourselves, but for the sake of our children and our children's children and for the generations yet to come to make us like Abraham and passing the blessing of the promise to them. Remember, Abraham didn't possess the land. His children did. And so you don't have to possess it all. Go ahead and pass it on to your children. Let them do it. See, in the church, I want to be like Paul and raise up Timothys and Tituses, the next generation, the next generation of the world changers who will do it their way for the glory of God in the same way we have done, but then go further because we equip them for success and pass something on. Amen. We did it differently. I'm doing it different than my pastor did. Other generations, we're doing things differently. Different is okay. Amen? So what does that mean? We pass on principles and truth. You pass on principles. See, we don't change the truth or the principles or the morality of God's word. But as far as style and, and operate and things you do, methods, amen, that's totally open. Amen? There's some people who couldn't believe. I tell you, one thing I like about God is, is I love it when people come in here and, and they walk in. They never expect to find a nice place in a warehouse. 
And some people would think, how can you use being a warehouse and have church? It's not holy enough for them. It has to be built a certain way, have a certain look, have a big pointy thing on the roof in order for it to be a house of God or a house of worship. Amen. I, I kind of like this. Amen. So one style works for one group and another for another. But so we pass on principles and truth, but we're not restricted to the exact same application or style of performance. Look at the last page of your outline. You see, some of you have been with me here for a long time. Many of you have given and sacrificed with us to make what we have here possible. Buying the building, the chairs, paying for the wonderful amenities, especially the toilets. Amen. Bless God, we're not a one whole church anymore. But see, others are coming into what has been built here over the years and are getting saved, delivered, healed, and restored at no cost at all. But all that changes as we move into the future, and they become a part of bringing to pass what God will do in this next season of our lives together as we move forward into the future that he's prepared for us. So what does that mean? Others will come into what's been prepared but then this is just moving forward. And they'll be a part of the givers and the ones who help build and make the next season possible. Amen? Number three, if we think generationally, it gives us courage and motivation in serving our present generation. Acts 13, 36 is there in your outline. For David, after he had served his own generation, by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. In other words, his body decayed. Only Jesus was buried and did not suffer corruption. Amen? And you and I have that promise that we have resurrection life on the inside of us. But when you think about that, David served his generation. But that's not the end of the story. But listen to that. David being future generation, why? he always wanted to build the temple for God. He didn't build the temple for God, but it was his desire. So he prepared, and when you read in Chronicles, the offering that he gave to prepare the temple, to build the temple, he passed that on to his son Solomon, and Solomon built the temple out of what David prepared in his generation. Are you doing all right? And so with that, so we serve God in our generation. You see, sometimes we can be so focused out of fear for our future that we work so hard in trying to save and prepare for a time to come that we never give and invest of our time and our resources in our current generation. Men working so hard, have to be at work, have to be at work, have to do this, have to do that, instead of being with your family, giving and serving, being a part of kingdom purpose in the here and now, on every level, family level, kingdom level, every level. But you have to believe that God will take care. When the truth is, we can do both and still succeed. You can plan for your future and serve your generation and be successful at both. Are you with me this morning? And favor, think about it. So, but let me give, serving today and giving today is giving and building for the future. By serving today and giving today, you're building for the future. So good. See, what we build for our children in the future comes out of what we sow serving in our generation today. 
What you pass on, what we pass on to the next generation is based upon what we're sowing today in serving our generation. Sowing is always in the now of today and harvest is always in the future. Nobody puts a seed in the ground and eats it tomorrow. It just doesn't work that way. But you sow in the now for the harvest of the future. Never forget this. Sowing is always taking a piece of your present, wrapping it with your faith, and sending it into your future where it rearranges things in your favor and in, the, and in favor for your children and your children's children. I believe I have a generational blessing upon my life. And I believe because what I have sown and how I have lived and have given my life for Christ and lived for him this past 45 years, I believe that blessing is flowing down to my children. I'm not one day in, one day out. I've been all in for 45 years. Amen. I'm not gradually working myself in. I'm like the person on the side of the pool. Well, how's the water? Ooh. No, you did. Go all in. Amen. <laughs> and so once you get all in, then you're all wet. Amen. You got it over with. Some people, you're, just try, you're trying to figure out how to get in with God. How do I go all in? I, 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 and you get so proud. I went in another little bit. I'm up to here now. Yeah, but dude, you've been here for 35 years. Just dive in. Go for it. Somebody shout amen. amen. That's what we're called to do is jump in. So think about it. And favor can be passed from one generation to the next. Lastly, as I close, watch this. Turn with me to Psalms 112. How many are ready for a new year? Not just a new year, but a new season. Amen. I get excited when God gives me purpose. In my life, I don't know how your life works and you walk with God, but as your pastor, I just kind of stay quiet and, and just believe God, kind of talk about things. But then once I get, thus saith the Lord in my heart, once I know I've heard the word from God for what he wants me to do for that season, whether it's a project or whatever we're going to do in that way, then, then I have great confidence in moving forward. And God always brings to pass what he's spoken into my heart. Amen. Because it's his word. When he speaks in your life, whatever he speaks to you, remember Isaiah said, he watches over his word to perform it. So if God's speaking a word of purpose into your life, he's telling you what he's going to do through your life, not what you're going to make happen. He's asking you to agree and walk in obedience with him for what he's going to perform through your life. Amen? And God's going to allow us as a church to raise up another generation of great leaders so that when it's our time to pass the baton, they're going to take what we've invested in and build here and go further and do more and have a greater impact on El Dorado County and around the world than we were able to. Amen. Glory to God. I love it. So thinking generationally gives us the foresight and the motivation to live uprightly. Uprightly just simply means, to be upright means to be brave and to stand tall in the face of discouragement and temptation. Be upright. I refuse to be moved. Amen. I've had lots of opportunities to be discouraged, to be depressed. I just told to pass them up. 
What are you gonna, what are you gonna do about that? Gonna, I, I just, I'm just gonna keep moving forward. Amen, I can't figure that out. I can't fix that. Those things are out of my control. You can't help the way people think about different things or respond to you or do everything. Come on, if you've been stupid, if you've made a mistake, if you have something to repent over or ask forgiveness of, do that and then move on.org. Amen, move on. Let it go. Don't let people and criticism hold you back. Just keep moving forward. Are you doing okay? Man, I'm helping myself. I hope you're getting encouraged this morning. Psalms 112, listen to this. I'm going to read it to you again out of the Message Bible. Psalms 112, I'm going to read the whole thing to you as we close. Hallelujah. Blessed man, blessed woman who fear God. Blessed man and blessed woman who fear God, who cherish and relish his commandments. Their children are robust on the earth. And the homes of the upright, how blessed. Their houses brim with wealth and generosity that never runs dry. Sunrise breaks through the darkest darkness for good people. God's grace and mercy and justice. The good person is generous and lends lavishly. No shuffling or stumbling around for this one, but a sterling and solid and lasting reputation unfazed by rumor and gossip, heart ready and trusting God, spirit firm, unperturbed. I like that. You need to learn how to be unperturbed. What a weird word, perturbed. Unperturbed. But listen to this. Ever blessed, relaxed among enemies. They lavish gifts on the poor. A generosity that goes on and on and on. An honored life. A beautiful life. Someone wicked takes one look and rages. Blusters away but ends up speechless. There's nothing to the dreams of the wicked. Nothing. Isn't that good? Amen. Now, I I encourage you, just read Psalms 112 every day and then declare it over your children. That's your covenant. That's your generational blessing of living upright before God in communion and fellowship and relationship with Him. And He says that your children, that's what it says, your children are blessed. They are strong. They're housed. They are prosperous. Are you listening to me? So good. See, we can make the choice to speak and to declare, to live and to serve generationally with the godly desire to build a better future for them who God, for those who God will raise up and use for His glory through our obedience and willingness to think generationally. Understand the race is to continue and we're to pass the baton to the next generation by doing our best, by God's grace, to empower them to run further and faster and farther than we were able to. So this morning, I hope this gives you encouragement and motivation to live for change in the new year with an expectation to see what God can do through your life when you think, live, and plan, and build generationally like God. Why? Because in the beginning, God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And he is a generational, forward-thinking God. Stand with me this morning.
If you want to live that kind of life in this new year, if you're ready to press into that, you're going to let go of the past. What are you going to do? You're going to accept and encourage and commit to the next generation. You want to make a commitment to building up the next generation. You're committed to that. Encouraging them, inspiring them, investing in them, helping them. If you're ready to change your future, if you want to have the courage to serve in the now, and you want to be motivated to live uprightly, I'm just going to ask you to step out of where you are, and I'm going to pray over all of us. If you want to take that step into a new year, then that's kind of your resolution, kind of a fourfold resolution for this year. You'll fill in the blanks around that any way you want. But if you're ready to do that, just come up here and I'm going to pray over everybody that comes up here. We're just going to pray a prayer over everybody. You want to make that change in a new year. You want to live generously, living forward, thankful for what God has. Believe that he can put a generational blessing upon your life, a covenant blessing. Hallelujah. Just move. Amen. Say, God, I'm ready. Come on. You, you, you want to be extreme. You're ready to be extreme with God. You want to experience something new. And you don't care if people call you eccentric. Well, come on, you're too old to be thinking that way, doing that way, acting that way. No, I'm just the right age. Every one of you needs to hear this. My pastor, every time I would see my pastor and get around him. Brother Hood, his birthday was yesterday. What, you've been 94, honey? 90, huh? 94, he would be, yeah, 94. My dad would be 93 next month. He, uh, Brother Hood would look at me. He goes, oh, Don, oh, Don. He said this to me for over 30 years. He'd say, oh, Don, you're just the right age to do something great for God. You're just the right age. I don't care, what, no matter. So for 30 years, I was just the right age in his eyes. It wasn't when I was 25 and got saved. It was when I was 58, and he looked at me, oh, Don, oh, I wish I was you, because you're young, and you're just the right age to do something great for God. You can still run. You can still believe. You can still do, and that's what I want you to hear today. Going into this year, I don't care what your number is. You're here. You're alive, and you're the right age to do something great for God. Amen. So to die or to be extreme, to have a new experience, to be eccentric in your faith. Father, I pray over your people this morning. Lord, I thank you, God, that you haven't changed. Your word is sure, as you said, to a thousand generations. And even though we are generations far off from when you spoke your word, we're still in the beginning of that 40,000 years. Your word is just a beginning word to us. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we just say yes to you. Lord, as we come into 2024, we want to be extreme in our faith with you. Lord, we're going to have extreme faith. We're going to believe outside the boundaries of what we believed for before. We're just going to take it to another level, God, of what we're believing you for. Lord, we're going to be experiential. We're going to try something new. 
We're going to eat sushi for the first time. We're going to try something out of the box, out of the ordinary. We're going to do something, God. We're going to push ourselves to experience new things in you, God. To believe, to see the things we haven't seen before. And Lord, we're going to allow ourselves to be set free from the opinions of others. When they say, you're being too extreme. You can't believe for that today. We're just going to say, yes, we will. And we don't have a problem being outside of center of religion and boundaries, God. So this year, Lord, we're asking you to use us to be Abrahams in our generation, to be those who will hear your promise over our lives, spoken to us, and then, God, that we will live a life of obedience to it, securing that generational blessing in our lives. And, Father, today, for every parent in here, I pronounce that blessing over their family. God, that you said your favor would be upon us from generation to generation to generation. And so, Father, I pronounce that generational blessing and favor over their life. Lord, we walk by faith and not by sight. Your word said if we would raise up our children in the way that they should go, they should not depart. And so, Father, we're not moved by what we're seeing in their circumstances and their choices. We are standing on the fact we have sown truth into their life. They know the truth. And, Father, they're coming home to the truth. And they're going to live and inherit the promise that is upon our life. They're going to be the blessed of the Lord. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you for that today. And, Lord, we thank you that in this new year, you're going to give us the wisdom, the clarity, and the insight that we need to be a generational church, Father, that invests and gives and raises up the next generation. God, we're excited to see the Hezekiahs that will come up and break the old idols and cause people to return to trusting the Lord. We're excited to see the Josiahs that will answer the call of God upon their life. And then at 16, bring people packed to the Word of God. We're excited to see the Jeremiah at 17 that will learn to prophesy. And the David that will be minstrels and musicians and write psalms and hymns and worship and praise unto God in their teenage years. So, Father, we thank you for your blessing over this generation, and we thank you for using us to raise up the Timothys and the Tituses, God, that will carry the gospel forward in this hour and in this generation, and we'll run with vigor, and we'll run with endurance until you return, and we give you the praise, and we give you the glory in Jesus' name. And somebody said, come on, give God a good praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, this is what you're going to tell everybody you see him. Just going to keep telling everybody. All this week, see somebody. Just let them say, hey, you know what? You're just the right age. Do something great for God. Just encourage people. Believe God. Believe God wants to do something great through your life. I tell people this all the time. I was a strung out, broken, failure, drug addict, just a concrete finisher. Nothing wrong with that. Great trade. Everything else. But, but just... That, and then God, I just said yes to God. And whatever God's done, it's just because you give him your life and a yes. God can do great things through your life. Don't look at somebody, oh, I wish I had your. No, have your own. Don't wish you had somebody else's faith. God gave you the measure of faith. You put it to work. You get excited to see what God would bring forth through your life. Amen? Amen. 2024 is going to be a great year. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. God bless you. We love you.